welcome to the Bullcast Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler, and with me is Court Winsett. Bingo. And Cameron Spin. Bingo. <laughs> no. <laughs> Court's all sassy over here wearing a Subaru Wilderness hat. Are yes, you a wilderness indeed. boy? Listen, I'm all about hats right now. Let's just not get into my hair. Okay. But it's <laughs> we'll do an terrible. episode on hats. We'll skip <laughs> that for later. Okay, guys, I'm so excited. We've got another guest, but uh, before we get into it, I'll tell you this guest is with a car dealership, Mm -hmm. and so we thought that for fun, let's do our pop culture list on TV slash movie salespeople. Ultimately, with the car business, you kind of have that picture in that head of that sleazy car salesman, which I think our guest is going to kind of help us debunk if that's real or... Listen, I just bought a car recently, and I'll probably say this several times during the episode, and my experience was that the salespeople at the dealership that I went to, which just so happens to be the dealership that we're talking with today, um, (laughs) they were were very, very far from sleazy, (laughs) so I I don't think that's an issue anymore. But some of the people on this list that we've got, I think some of these... Yeah. guys were sleazy. I know I'm going to tell you guys, we want to talk about these movies till we're blue in the face, but I really want to get to the guests. So let's kind of round robin the list of these and then know that on future episodes, we'll tell our love about these movies. Well, we Rapid fire. Sure. Rapid fire. And The Go. Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, the Pursuit of Happiness. The Big Short. Door to Door. Glen Gary, Glen Ross. Moneyball, which is a great movie. Wall Street. Jerry Maguire, show me the money. Show me the money. Death of a Salesman. The founder. Tommy Boy. Oh, I love Tommy Boy so much. Oh, I killed it. (laughs) Callahan Auto Parts. Boiler Room. Used Cars. Finally, and I am going to actually have to comment on this one, Cadillac Man with Robin Williams as a car salesman. This leads perfectly into our car dealership guest, but also I just want to point out Cadillac Man, the movie that Robin and I saw on our first date. Yeah. That's amazing. I have one more movie to add that is okay. not on here. Have you ever seen Matilda? Yes. Danny DeVito oh, Danny was DeVito. the sleaziest yes. car salesman he was. ever. Oh my, I can picture him now. You remember when with, the, with the bleach the blonde toupee and the hat? The hat in his hair. <laughs> oh, hopefully you're never buying a car from a Danny DeVito and Matilda. So, ladies and gentlemen, there is your rapid-fire list. Let's get right to our guest, Katie. Who is our guest today? Okay, we promised we have another guest. We have some... We are guest-heavy this season. We are just, like, bringing in all the guests. But, I mean, we gotta do this. Well, I mean, People we get made tired it... of hearing us talk yes, all the time. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, we brought in somebody from the car industry. Indeed. Ferrari, right? I wish. <laughs> we have Caleb. He is with Subaru, and uh, we're excited to have him. How are you guys doing today? We are superb. I was actually over at Subaru the other day, because my wife and I just bought a car for our daughter from y'all. So it's interesting that you should be in here. Just, I think it was Monday we were over there. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> finally got, it. but we're you didn't it. get your Subaru. I know it's no, still on your list. I did not. I finally got a Subaru and I had to turn it over to my daughter immediately. <laughs> so that was, that was fun for me. Okay. So Caleb, tell us who you are, kind of your history with the car business and then what you do now. I started with Jim Karras uh, Subaru in November of 2014. Wow. I was in college and, uh, I was looking to help pay for college and, uh, the car industry seemed like a uh, good idea. Rick McCollum is somebody that uh, helped bring me in to Jim Karras at one time. He's now retired. But the car industry has changed quite a bit even since I started in it. Obviously, with the pandemic, everything's changed. Mm-hmm. I mean, supply chain, um, financials, obviously, on that side with any type of stock market or mm-hmm. bank loans, especially uh, with interest rates right now. But with Subaru, it's been a very interesting company to work with because the, the brand has grown and the way that they treat their customers is very different than even say our Chevy and Nissan store the the customer outreach and the way that they like to you know really bring that customer experience to a different level of not just saying that you're at a typical car dealership buying a typical brand they really do go above and beyond on that side and uh, the pandemic was very interesting because with Subaru what they did is they dialed back their inventory instead of sending everything out they knew that something was going to happen and so they actually uh, kind of 
brought back the inventory a little bit of what was coming to the dealership to try to spread it over the next few months when it first happened because we weren't sure. And that's really smart leadership from a uh, corporate side as well because you know if you look at Ford or Chevy, all they did was produce everything and then it sat there because A, they didn't have the parts and B, the lots that, that at the beginning of the pandemic were already full. So you overproduce, you mass produce on that side and then you have cars that are sitting and then potentially could have issues. And that's what we've seen a lot of, a lot of uh, electronic issues is what we see more common in today's world than um, you know what it would have been 10, 15 years ago. Mm. Let's take a step back for a second. I'd like to know specifically what you do at Subaru, yeah. at the dealership. What are you doing right um, now? I'm a finance manager. Okay. Um, what does that mean? I, uh, I handle bank loans or any type of deal structuring for whether you pay cash, finance, bring in your own outside financing, um, warranty products. Uh, so any type of aftermarket product that you'd like to cover your vehicle for any repairs, anything like that. And okay. So like, for instance, the other day we had a, a sales guy that helped us actually with the car, Correct. like found the car for us and we got the deal with him. And then he turned us over to, I think Josh was his name? Yeah, Josh is my partner. Okay, so mm-hmm. so he does the same thing that you do? Correct, yeah. Okay, He's okay. the uh, finance director. Okay. Josh has been with uh, the Karis's about the same amount of time. He worked at the uh, Chevy store before the Subaru store. He was the finance director at the Chevy store. But I've done a little bit of everything. I was a salesperson. I was uh, in internet sales. I was the internet director when the new store opened. I've been a desk manager. I've With the job position I do now, I, I work deals just as much as I go into the finance. But my main job is uh, definitely deal structuring and everything and then Mm. you know there's clerical work to it as well making sure everything's built out getting driver's license insurance coverage everything in between on that side so people come in nowadays i guess like katie you already referenced the fact that there's no longer a a haggle there's no longer a well you and i were talking about that before yeah how so obviously, yes, uh, you have the unfortunate pleasure of working with my husband as well. Uh, he did not want to be on this podcast because I don't even think he listens, but we're excited to have you here. But yes, I, uh, I've learned a lot about the car industry from being around him and his family. And I would just go and buy a car. That's it. I didn't have a relationship. So when you talked about that relationship, that was new. But to court your comment, Mm -hmm. yes, you see in movies and stuff, it was like they were haggling with cars and and that's not happening anymore. A lot of it probably comes in on your end of it because people are more interested in, okay, Whatever the price is, this is what I can afford to pay on a monthly basis. How can we work that out? Um, Subaru definitely tends to be a uh, little bit different of a manufacturer on the clientele that it attracts. Mm -hmm. We uh, definitely attract a lot of doctors, attorneys, typically a a little bit higher educated clientele base. Um, And so it's not so much monthly payment. I mean, a lot of our customers are definitely concerned about the whole interest rate and the, everything the yeah. interest rate the bottom line um your monthly payment obviously mm-hmm. but it's all a combination of things where like at our nissan store yes it is more about the monthly payment no matter who they're working with not always i mean mm-hmm. you still get different people but it is more of something where they're looking you know i need to be at 450 a month and this is my budget so on and so forth mm-hmm. um subaru this month alone um especially with interest rates on the rise we've had a lot of cash uh, probably currently sitting at this month, our finance control is probably around 60%. Usually we've What does our, that mean? So 60% of the deals that we've turned have been financed. The okay. other 40% has been uh, cash hmm. or outside lien, um, whichever. But this month, I think mostly it has been actual cash, not outside lien. Hmm. And so usually we float around 75%. So it's about 15% lower than normal. But you know, it just shows that when interest rates go on the rise, people tend to freak out mm-hmm. um, because it's understandable. But the problem right now is obviously inflation. That's what's causing it. And it affects our business just as much as any other business. Mm-hmm. But um, when you talk about the auto industry as a whole, it's a very large chunk of our economy. If you were to close everything in the auto industry, our economy would fail. It is a very big piece of the economy. And well, I know back in, I guess it was back in 2008 during that crash, mm-hmm. uh, during during the Great Recession, that several of the big autos had to be helped. Because, yes, yeah. Well, yeah. they did that uh, cash for clunkers uh, mm-hmm. program too that mm-hmm. were rolled out, but um, that might have been right before then. But that, that's a whole nother conversation <laughs> of uh, why that happened. But you know, we're in the relationship industry for sure. Is that right. yes, we happen to be have a law firm, accounting firm, and financial. But at the end of the day, we're the people business. We want to take care of our people. Because I know from what you said, like 
Subaru very much is valued that when they sell you a car, it's not that you never talk to that salesman or finance guy again, even if it's a service issue, whatever, y'all are still available. Is that unique more towards Subaru or is that kind of where the car industry is going? So that that also comes from the dealership uh, organization. So the leadership from the owner to the general manager, that has a lot to do with it. But Subaru as a whole, yes, they do lead that more community involvement because uh, Subaru runs a lot of different programs throughout the year, like Share the Love that we do every year. That's uh, We we run that from uh, November through December. We donate $250 to a charity of your choice and every location has a local charity that they can donate to to as well which is very unique you don't see that from other manufacturers mm-hmm. and then uh, like we just did the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of America we're doing Subaru Loves Learning so we've sponsored a school it's over off of Shelby Drive okay. um, it's an elementary school we're donating um, books and supplies and things that help in the classroom because uh, the big thing with Subaru this year and I know this is a little off topic of what we're doing no but, it's great um, teachers spend a lot of money out of their own pocket yes. on school goods and so yeah. This year, Subaru is more focused not just on the student, but the teacher. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the student is going to excel because of the teacher. And Absolutely. this is really cool because they really do need help sometimes because... Uh, as inflation has caused it, school supplies are more expensive. It's it's harder to get things. Yeah. So it's very cool to see a manufacturer at a corporate level actually making sure that the dealerships are individually going out, reaching out in the community and making sure that our name's out there as well because it, it has turned more towards that relationship mm-hmm. side of business. Most of the time in today's world, people that go car shopping, they, they don't want to just come in and sit down, buy a car and then never come back to that dealership. They they do want to create a relationship. <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a terrible car person because I'm like just give me a car, let me get out. But I'm not. I'm the exception, not the rule. Well, and that that happens definitely. It, it's more like um, when people come in now, you're spending forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars on yeah. a car where. Um, 15 years ago, the average price of a vehicle was $28,000. In today's world, it's $37,000. And that's from NADA. Trucks. uh, My dad had F-250s most of my life. And um, he had an 04 King Ranch, which you know, was top of the line for a Ford diesel pickup truck. It was $44,000. We still have the original window sticker to it. Go look at a brand new F-250 right now. It's <laughs> probably no. 85, yeah. 86,000. I have a dream car that I, that I looked at recently and I just just wanted to like build it out and price it on the website. So I just wanted to see how much it would cost. And I did it and it was like $85,000. And I was like, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to afford this car. And it was a high-end brand car that I was looking at. And then I went over, I was like, I just need to get a pickup truck. So I went over and built out a, a Ford to see how much that would be. And it was the same price. Yeah. As the- yeah. But I think what's also changed is so actually we've had two people in our Pickler family here that have recently bought Subarus. One went from a much older car and now is just blown away with all the bells and whistles and buttons. And so... I think that's probably a difference too, is before you pretty much like, hey, thanks, here's my car. I know how to drive it. I'm not going to need you until like an oil change or something goes wrong. Nowadays, no. there's so many They're like rocket ships st- on wheels. Yeah. So you've got to have <laughs> yeah. somebody you can call and text or say like, okay, I can't get the headlights turned off or I can't get this. How do you do that? This is kind of interesting off of that note. So when we went to the moon, the technology that was on the uh, spacecraft that went to the moon, uh-huh. I don't know about all vehicles, but this was just a comparison that I saw online. The uh, current Yukon Denali, the 2022, has more technology in it than the space shuttle that went to the moon. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) It's a little different, obviously, but... Technology has come that far that there's so many things going on in these vehicles that, for instance, like when I go over warranties, I'm not worried about powertrain. And that's what we do is, especially like here at Pickler Advising, like you advise people on what you should do. And that's how our process has been tailored is we're there more as advisors. We're not trying to sell a product. We're trying to give you the advice of what could and possibly might happen. And you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and that's what we look out for people mm-hmm. because um, with electronics nowadays, you can't work on it. If it goes bad, 
it's over with. There's nothing you can do on that side to fix it. We can uh, diagnose it, order the part, and that's the other issue. Can I get the part, and how expensive is that part? Mm. That is the biggest problem because the radios in these vehicles are anywhere between four and six thousand dollars. And <sighs> when you look at the radios, you can't just go to a, you know a radio store and plop a aftermarket radio in it. Yeah, half your vehicle yeah. functions are located in that screen. So yeah, I mean, well, I, I got like, in I, the car that we got our daughter. I, I got in, and there's basically an iPad. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's an eleven point two inch yeah. uh, uh, tablet size screen. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they've got the the headlights that move and yeah, yeah uh, the steering responsive headlights. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's the thing is also it's not even just the inside because you think about back in the day like you'd hit your bumper or something like you could replace just that piece of plastic. Well, there, there's sensors everywhere. Yep. <laughs> there's so like your headlights. A 2015 Outback, a headlight on that's probably 450 bucks. I'm just you know shooting in yeah. the dark. These current headlights, um, with the way they steer, like uh, they move, they're about $1,200 each side. And so when you look at it that way, when you're in an accident, um, when we talk about gap claims, I assume that probably everybody sitting here knows what gap is. Go ahead and explain (laughs) for our listeners. Uh, Gap is called guaranteed asset protection. What that's doing for you is if you're in a total loss scenario on your vehicle, your insurance company comes in and they say that the vehicle market value is $20,000, but you owe $25,000. Obviously, you still owe the difference between what the insurance company is giving you and your loan balance. Gap is what steps in and pays the difference for you on that side. Now, obviously most dealerships offer it. Um, A lot of times your uh, insurance companies offer it, but nine times out of 10, whatever your dealership offers is actually a better product than what your insurance company provides. So like when the reason we state it like that is, um, so like the gap that we use at Jim Karras covers 150% of market. So if you owe $28,000 on a vehicle that's worth 20, I cover all the way up to 30 because it's 150%. State Farm covers 115%, which mm. is just about nothing. <laughs> Most loans to any float anywhere between 105 and 120% loan to value. Okay. Um, at least not at Subaru. Uh, everybody puts 20 grand down at Subaru, but <laughs> <laughs> So on the financing part cuz I know we've talked about this on some episodes and I've heard, have had conversations with the clients about this. So when they're coming to get a new car, people always toggle between the idea of trading in their mm-hmm. current vehicle or they go, oh, I can make more selling it myself. What are kind of some thoughts, experiences that you've had with that? So CarMax, Carvana, Zoom, and I may be forgetting one, but a lot of these uh, online retailers, if you want to call them that, that have grown quite a bit because of the pandemic have influenced uh, used car prices uh, tremendously. And then also rental companies because... A lot of manufacturers are not allowing Enterprise or uh, Penske, like anybody that rents vehicles out, yeah. they're not allowing them to buy new vehicles. So they go to auction and find a 20,000 mile car and they'll pay whatever they want to pay for it. If it's 10 grand over what book says, they'll buy it because they need it. Well, that influences your your auction prices, your, your Kelly Blue Book prices, all the algorithms that make that vehicle value what it is changes mm-hmm. just strictly because of the inventory shortage on that side, mm-hmm. which also influences when you trade a vehicle. You're going to get more money for what your car is worth right now than you ever would have. Yeah. And even though um, you're, you you may not be getting anything off MSRP, if you got five grand more for your car than and you would have only gotten two thousand dollars off of say a Subaru Outback, you actually still won at the end. You see what I mean? Like mm-hmm. with the way the numbers work out on that side. And that's where it's changed quite a bit. Like I have a 2013 Honda Accord. It has 66,000 miles on it. I paid $12,000 for that car in 2019. Kelly Blue Book, good trade-in on that car right now is 15.4. And I've put 30,000 <laughs> miles on it mind. in three years. Wow. So it, that's, that's the type of stuff that you see quite a bit of right now. Do I think my car is worth that? No, I do not. But (laughs) (laughs) somebody out there says it is. So (laughs) because we also, this is another conversation I have with clients all the time is they're like, Oh, well, I think I may need a car at some point. Maybe give some insight because I'm driving by car lots and they're pretty empty for the most part. And so, I mean, I guess it's one of those, it's not as easy for somebody to walk in and be like, I want a candy apple red ascent or something. I don't even know if you'll make candy apple red. Uh, it's not called candy apple, but okay, we do sorry. make a reticent. <laughs> <laughs> if you're potentially looking for a vehicle, it is better to start now than later. 
And uh, that's in most purchase process though. Any type of, I would say classification of any purchase over $500. If you're shopping for a washer dryer, uh, refrigerator, it doesn't matter right now. Anything that is a electronic device of some sort, it is better to start earlier than later because it's good to find out what inventory is out there, what you want to buy, what research you need to do to make sure you're buying appropriately and from the right people. Because like here at the Karis's, uh, we do not mark up over MSRP. You can't say that about a lot of dealers right now. And uh, that's something that our leadership has chosen to do. The Karis's are uh, very family uh, orientated because they want to treat people the correct way because especially with some, what's going on right now, if you're treated the right way now and then five years later you need another vehicle, you're going to remember that experience that, you know, I, it, the, even though what was going on, that we didn't get treated any differently. And that's something that we've focused on because since vehicle prices are out of whack, we don't need to be changing that just because of that fact it's not our fault but it's also not consumers fault they didn't do anything to cause it either on that side but yeah it's definitely better to to get ahead of the ball because if you end up um, looking at used cars and finding out how expensive they are <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it may sometimes be more beneficial to buy a new car and um, right now it's uh if it's from overseas four to six months gosh um, just uh, it just depends so if your car's on the fritz now you, i delivered you're a four, yep, yeah i delivered to Forrester last week that they placed their deposit for $500 uh, January 11th. Mm. Yeah. And so that's typically with people ordering and they're having to put down a deposit mm -hmm. and then pick That was it. a Forester okay. is what that was. Like Outbacks, two to three months. So they're built in Lafayette, Indiana. So the parts do still come from Japan. Um, about 45% of the vehicle is still Japanese. But okay. it's uh, one of those things that we have a big uh, warehouse there. And so we, we do have a lot of parts to build vehicles. So Ascents, Outbacks, Imprezas, Legacies, all of those vehicles are more attainable. And dealer trades is something that Subaru's been real big with. You don't really do a lot because most dealers now don't have inventory or if they have something that's not sold, they're not willing to give it up to get what you have because they know they're going to sell it. <laughs> so it, it's like a cat and mouse game. It's like, do yeah. we, do we call them? Do we not call them? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and y'all's cars are, I, I've ridden in a couple of them. They're very safe. They really mm -hmm. have a lot of safety features, which I think is good for you know, like court, your daughter driving across the country, going to school, yeah. having that safety net around her. Listen, a big consideration for us was in purchasing the, the, the car that we got her was, okay, she's going to be driving this literally all the way across the country to the other coast. Yeah. And she's going to be over there without us. And so if anything goes wrong on the road, we wanted to make sure that it was going to be taken care of. If anything goes wrong when she's over on the other coast, we wanted to make sure that it was going to be taken care of. And we obviously wanted her to be safe because the reason we were buying her a car was because she got slammed into on her way home from college this past summer. So, you know, we, we've had experience with her being in an accident. We didn't want to be worried about that again. So yeah, I had to drive one home one day and it yelled at me like several times on like my five minute drive. Like your eyes are <laughs> off the road. You're, 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 I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't have this. Cause it's just going to yell at me the whole time. So, <laughs> Go back so, to the Lexus. It's ancient technology. <laughs> safety is one of those, um, it's one of those questions that will always be there, right? 40 years ago, how safe is this vehicle? Today, yeah. how safe is this vehicle? Mm -hmm. Subaru definitely carries the weight of being a very safe vehicle because they've had that heritage. But in today's world, I would say most everything is a fairly safe vehicle. It's not like even 10 years ago, that's a difference because you could go look at a car and go look at a different car and drastically different on how they're built. But the way that uh, manufacturing is done in today's uh, world and uh, how manufacturers have all accelerated. Um, I mean, uh, Daniel's mom just got that Genesis. That yeah. is an incredible vehicle that I can't believe Hyundai factory made that, but they did. And um, you look at the airbag quality, you look at the overall quality of the build. They're very nice vehicles. I wouldn't be scared to drive that vehicle. The main thing you're looking for in today's world with safety concerned is active safety, not passive. When it comes to passive, when I say that, that's like airbags, seat belts, um, things that just routinely come on a vehicle. When mm -hmm. I say active safety, that's like um, Subaru's eyesight system. That's the pre-collision technology. <laughs> no, so that's uh, driver focus is the one that looks at your eyes. Uh, it has an infrared sensor that actually uh, scans your face and actually watches where 
your eye movement is. It's kind of um, creepy. It is a little creepy. <laughs> it's a very neat product, but uh, it is a little creepy. <laughs> but the, that's the main concern in today's world is uh, when you look at active safety, what actually works? Yeah. That's what you got to look for because Subaru's proven it time and time and time again about how well their eyesight system works. My wife has a MDX. It has all of the Acura stuff in it, you know, all the safety stuff. It does not work as well as the Subaru. Yeah. I promise you. The adaptive cruise control is, uh, I hate it. <laughs> uh, the Subarus is very smooth and even and how it works. Yeah. And, and granted, I don't have a brand new Acura. It's three years old, but still it's safety technology of the same yeah. year model. And I had a 2018 Forester and I loved that car. It was a very, very good vehicle. But that's what you need to look for when you're looking at a vehicle is yeah. when you look at safety features, it's not so much about its crash rating anymore because for the most part, everybody has a good crash rating. I mean, Tesla rewrote the whole way that they do safety testing now. If you absolutely want a safe vehicle, Tesla's probably the, the safest one on the road currently. I kind of made a joke, but it's true. I've had this conversation before. Like I, I have a Lexus that's a 2016, 2017, and the technology is ancient when you compare mm-hmm. it to anything else right now. Yeah. And it's just... And I've looked and they're not really updating the technology that much. Like I, I got in an ascent and really the only thing that's keeping me from it is I'm so used to a higher up vehicle and I just need to like jack it up on some big tires or something. So but... the, the new ascent's <laughs> going to be a lot more updated. Okay. Um, the, so they're bringing the bigger radio in the vehicle. The outside's going to change a little bit. Um, the 2023 ascent's definitely going to be, it's, it's a refresh, not a complete redesign, but the technology that is in it is uh, getting updated because uh, super has been um they've always been followers in innovation and for a little while they were starting to lead in innovation especially when it came to car connected services and active safety features Uh and now we're starting to not regress but just kind of starting to get back behind the ball a little bit Um, and i think part of it's been because of covid it's just it's hard to push money towards design costs uh, when you're struggling in production so Mm. are y'all doing an electronic vehicle Um, electric electric electronic whatever (laughs) their their vehicle is definitely electronic electric (laughs) (laughs) yes Uh, so we have the uh, subaru solterra coming out okay um our first one should be here next month they're not going to be inventoried these cars are already sold Um, we only got four pre-orders for the car EV technology, it's a hard vehicle to purchase right now because you either go buy a Tesla or in my opinion, you don't buy anything else because everything else is not comparable. Like the Solterra, it's a great vehicle. I'm glad Subaru's doing it, but probably get in trouble for saying this, but (laughs) 200 miles is not enough. It's just not. We did a whole episode all about the electronic, I'm going to call it electronic, the electric (laughs) vehicle, EV vehicles. It's a lifestyle thing. Like I know me, I'm terrible about getting gas as it is. So how am I going to remember to charge a vehicle? Yeah. So it's, I'm very curious because I think it was very much a buzz and we've had this cycle where it's been a buzz, but you're right. It's either you have a Tesla or you're getting those gas guzzlers. Yeah. And I mean, Um, I'm, I'm a long haul driver. I love driving. I love long road trips and all of my kids are like the closest child I have is still a six hour drive away. And 200 miles isn't going to cut it. It's, no, it's just not. No. Well, and Tesla has made it so um, unique for the EV experience because it, it, typically if, if you're going to go spend $80,000 on a brand new vehicle and it's an electronic vehicle, you probably know what you're getting yourself into. If you yeah. don't, then that's your fault for not studying <laughs> enough. But um, I, I don't mean to be that brazen, but it's it's a very true testament because if I'm going to go spend $80,000, you bet your butt I've done all of my yep. <laughs> research on what I'm getting myself into, what they act like, everything like that. Um, so my, my best friend lives in Las Vegas. Tesla is very much more pronounced there than it is here. Like when you go to a charging station there, there are it's filled and there's 14 other Tesla sitting there waiting to get charged that's the biggest issue is what we've always talked about is infrastructure and that's another conversation into itself but (laughs) Mm -hmm. um when you look at that the the cool part about tesla is they definitely carry that three to four hundred mile range which is more accessible and then when you put in a route plan they actually pinpoint how much to charge what your wait time is and what your overall time from point a to point b could be and then comparatively to a gas vehicle if you were just filling up and a lot of times it's only a 30 to 45 minute difference so like a six hour trip maybe a six and a half hour trip Mm -hmm. because you don't always sit there and get it to 80 percent 
That's uh-huh. the big thing where people think that you've got to sit at this station. Sometimes you'll stop into a station for 10 minutes on the uh, on a supercharger and it puts 30% on it on a Tesla and you're fine. That's the really neat part. But nobody else has done that yet. Mm-hmm. And so I get it where the government's come in and mandated that we've got to do this green efficient bill, which I guess well, let's not get started on all of that either. But <laughs> <laughs> when you do that, but you don't create the infrastructure to support that, yeah. um, it's not going to go over very well because I personally am not ready for an EV type of vehicle. Yeah. At the <laughs> Solterra is very cool. It's a great looking vehicle. If you're an in-town person, mm-hmm. beautiful vehicle for you. If you're not and you like to go to Florida or whatever, it's not the vehicle for you. Yeah. It's really not. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like our business is that not every product is right for you. Not every investment's mm-hmm. right. We want to get to know you. That's with y'all. You need to be able to advise them on what's going to be the best vehicle because yeah, your best friend may have an Ascent, but you may be better in a Forester. Right. In the Memphis market, what's the hot Subaru vehicle that everyone seems to be really wanting? Um, Outbacks and Foresters. Okay. Um, Ascents have slowed a little bit. And that's and the biggest one, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. Ascents, I, you know, me, me and Tyler talked about it probably a couple of weeks ago. It was, I've noticed that... They, Tyler is the... General manager at yeah. uh, okay. uh, Hacks Cross on Subaru. And, and I, I noticed that a lot of our orders have, or, or deposits or whatever it is, have not been on Ascents. They've been inventory that comes in and then they sell the same day they get here mm-hmm. but they were never pre-sold so i was like why is that and i really think it's price point you know you come in and look at an outback and it's uh 36 37 38 come in and look at an ascent and you want to decked out a cent it's forty eight thousand mm-hmm. dollars. you know that's a lot of money and that's before taxes you're looking at 53 dollars um, once it's all said and done and that's one of those things that it's harder to bite the bullet yeah. on that type of thing for an ascent and i think technology on it's been lacking a little bit that's why the redesign will or the, the refresh is going to help out on that side. But yeah, definitely Outbacks and Foresters. Um, Forester has always been hot. Um, and y'all have racing vehicles, don't you? I uh, swear, like back in the day, it was like Subaru was big <laughs> yeah, on like so, street racing or yeah, something. Yeah, so we have a BRZ and a uh, WRX. So WRX stands for World Rally Experimental. Um, that's It came out in the 90s. And <laughs> See, I'm stuck in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> Subaru has a uh, very deep rally uh, bloodline. We've won a, won a lot of championships. Um, when it comes to world rally racing so cool and y'all love dogs too yes dogs are a uh, very very big thing um i was really really disappointed we came out when we came out on monday uh, we wanted to meet the pug and the pug wasn't oh walter yeah yeah walter (laughs) my wife is a huge fan of pugs and so i I was excited you my wife is a huge fan of pugs so (laughs) we were really looking forward to seeing the to to meeting walter but he was he had already gone home i guess by the time we got there the other day yeah walter is uh he's probably uh, selling cars two or three days a week so I mean, that's got to be cool. You buy a car from a pub. Yeah. But it's, I mean, yeah, that's, again, going, circling back, y'all are very community-oriented. Y'all are always doing something. And I know that y'all got two stores here locally in Memphis. And so that new one just opened, what, three years ago? Yeah, so we have two Subaru stores in Memphis, a Chevy, a Nissan, and then we have a third Subaru store in St. Louis. Um, So the Karis' own three Subaru stores. Uh, Our owner is on the uh, national board with Subaru, so um, it's very neat because we get a lot of people from Subaru of America, or Uh uh, we've even had Subaru of Japan at our dealership before, which Mm. is very unique um, because of the processes that the Karis' like to run. And our CSI typically tends to be high in the zone just because of how okay so when you say csi i'm thinking crime scene investigation so t- t- tell me tell yeah, me what, what that is i was about to back up off that okay. I figured, uh, customer service index okay. okay um so it's uh it's a survey that's what it is okay and everybody hates the word survey so <laughs> but it's a big part of what subaru is looking for and nowadays it's changed quite a bit it's not so much about the overall survey it's literally one question would you recommend this dealership? That is the only question that the survey really f- reflects on, to Subaru at least. And that's where it's been a struggle. Because okay. uh, when you put something on a 10-point scale and you make everything sound great from 7 and above, Subaru doesn't look like that. They're a Japanese manufacturer, and this isn't to create a cultural side of it. But they really do believe in pass or fail. Yeah. Like, they're big on that. And if it's a 8, it's fail. Like hmm. it's over with anything below eight. It's done. It's really, yep. It's yeah. neg. Like they're like, Oh, that's not negative. It is. Um, <laughs> it is. 
So something I didn't know, and I want to maybe, maybe y'all, I mean, obviously you know this, but maybe you did too, but some of our listeners may not. I didn't realize that when you're just like perusing on a website and you just start going playing around and building a vehicle. (laughs) And you click that button. You click that button (laughs) and then all of a sudden your phone starts ringing or you get an email. It's because it's like on y'all's, it's going directly to your store and then there's a real human. (laughs) (laughs) I did internet sales for um, probably around three three-ish years somewhere in there the biggest thing i can say on that is uh, i don't know why people tend to be completely oblivious to when they click on something online that somebody's gonna call you but treat it like healthcare. if you go shop for healthcare, what are you gonna get 14 phone calls a day about healthcare. Yep. that's what it's like at a dealership because we have turns when you click that and you put in your phone number <laughs> did you not think that somebody would reach out to you if you did that that's that's the part of it now that doesn't happen a lot though <laughs> It really doesn't. Most people that are online do understand what they're doing. Occasionally, you'll get that person that's like, no, I was at cars.com and I didn't actually do anything. It just did it for me. It still doesn't work quite like that, but (laughs) I can understand where you may have misclicked something. That's understandable. But for the most part in today's world, you don't see a lot of uh, miscommunication on that side. Uh, When I first started the internet, it was more prevalent. People would like, you know, want to know more information and give me all their information and then you'd call and they go, why are you calling me? <laughs> and you're like, well, I saw you were online. And, you know, it's that awkward f- uh, conversation. Yeah. Of, I'm just trying to help. Don't hurt me. <laughs> now I just go as far as I can until they want my information. I'm like, nope, yeah. you're not getting exactly. it. Exactly. Nope. Okay, well, have- so we can see that as well. Um, so the, the way your website works is you can actually see who visits, how many visitors you have, and the clicks on the page. Mm-hmm. So what vehicles have been clicked, what vehicles haven't. Um, you can look at that, which also doesn't do anything towards you. It just gives us the knowledge to know where we're marketable because mm-hmm. it helps because 90% of consumers in today's world do go online before they ever put a foot on the lot. Yeah. Doesn't mean that they actually click on anything or send anything into a internet source, but they have been online. They have looked at things. It doesn't matter if it's Subaru.com, the local dealership's website, or Consumer Reports. They have done some type of research before they come onto the lot. Mm-hmm. And y'all have to, even if somebody puts in there like Seymour Butts, like you have to deal with Seymour Butts mm-hmm. because it's your job. That's correct. Even though you know it's fake. I have spoke to a numerous Seymour Butts. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I have. Are you Seymour Butts? I have no. I, I don't give my phone number on when I go on a website. If they ask for my phone number, I, I say no. But part of the reason that I I don't is because there is a person out there who uses my phone number when they go to websites to to research stuff. I'm so I'm constantly getting text messages from real estate people and uh, and insurance people because there is somebody out there his name is Grover or at least that's the <laughs> that's the name that he gives them he gives them the name Grover and my phone number and so I get calls and they're like Grover are you still interested and I'm like I'm not Grover this isn't Grover's phone number somebody's you know somebody's messing with you please take my phone number off your list <laughs> I've legitimately been seriously I've had my phone number since 1999 or 2000 maybe I've had my phone number for a long time and I have seriously been considering changing my phone number to something new because I, I can't stand how many Grover phone calls I get oh, on I get a daily it. basis I get uh, probably I don't know probably four phone calls a month from the same phone number for the like last six years Uh-oh. from this lady <laughs> that keeps calling me and was like Where's Janice? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know here. how many times I got to tell you. I've had this phone number for 16 Lady. years. <laughs> there is no Janice here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So kind of wrapping up, what is your dream car? That's a tough question. <laughs> or if you got two or Something two. that I will buy or something that I will never buy. It could be completely dream. Like if you had an endless check. Genie in could, the bottle yeah, comes whatever. out and says, I only grant wishes for cars. I'll give you one car and that's all. You, that's your only wish. <laughs> what car are you asking? Uh, probably a McLaren Senna. That's like a $1.8 million car. I'll so have to look that up. That it's a very nice. gorgeous vehicle. <laughs> um, but yeah, my my dream car that I would want even right now is a McLaren. Um, like I would like to buy a, um, they call it, it's a 650S. They're kind of expensive, but not like ridiculously expensive. Um, they're not million dollar cars, but the Senna is. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, if I could have any car ever, that, that, that would be the car I'd like to have. That mm-hmm. is a very, very, very cool car. Okay. What about you, Katie? You asked the question. I'm asking asking our guest. Okay, I got one more. Do you think we're going to have flying cars in the near future? No. Okay. No. 
Um, We're not going to be the Jetsons. Um, how many people have FAA license? Yeah. How many people even know how to get an FAA license? True. Yeah. <laughs> so I, no, I do not think that it will ever be a thing. It's very much more complicated because um, our wonderful government likes to, uh, you know, make sure the air is clear. So I don't think they're going to let people just kind of float up <laughs> in the air. Willy, fl- yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on my way to work. Uh, I'm going to take a side route. <laughs> oh, crap. There's I a building. <laughs> I don't think that's going to be in the near future. Um, I think eventually um, you'll have some type of quick transport okay. um, through the air. But I, I don't think it'll be a commonality of vehicles actually floating around no um i don't maybe uh this is something japan's been on um so uh japan's real big on magnetic trains that's probably what they're gonna go to for vehicles creating a massive uh transit highway where it is a uh some type of magnetic based propulsion system mm. that'll be another idea um they have talked about it over there a lot of things uh did you ever watch the show like 2030 or 2050 or whatever it was uh-huh. it used to come out on discovery channel no it's about technology that they knew about like uh, 3d printers when they were coming out uh, okay. printing organs things like that um that's one of the things that they've always talked about is magnetic propulsion is going to be something that's a little bit more friendly because of how it creates electricity itself and static electricity yeah. and things like that so but yeah I don't think we're going to be floating through the air anytime soon. Yeah, what about self- I want a jetpack, okay? Yeah. I want a yeah. jetpack. Self- the Air Force has those. Self-driving cars. <laughs> Um, yeah, so... Um, I mean, it sounds like Subaru's already getting close to it with the, like, watching your eyes and, like, um, everything. So the, the best vehicle I've been in is a Tesla with autopilot. Okay. It definitely is a vehicle you could probably fall asleep in. Um, would you fall... Like, personally, would you trust it? Yes, I would. Okay. Yeah. Personally, I would. There's a lot of people that are concerned I mean, that, with that, that because TV you know, show upload, it's a computer. I don't, I don't, I don't like it. Yeah, no, I get it. But I've been <laughs> in one. I, I've been all the way around Las Vegas in one that has it, and I'm telling you, it's a, it's a very remarkable thing on even how the current autopilot works. It's Heck, very some of those may drive better than the person. I would agree. Well, listen, they definitely I, drive better than me because I'm a yeah, little bit aggressive. With I'm yeah. all for, well, yeah, I'm all for. Getting, <laughs> I hate coming into Carville. Let me tell you, <laughs> I'm, I'm all for getting self-driving cars here in this city because we got a lot of people that need to stop. We either driving. need self-driving cars or yes. bumper cars. Every I think every <laughs> Nissan um, out there needs to be replaced, but especially on that South 240 loop, it's a mm. little scary on <laughs> how they drive, but. I've I've never seen on, on on the interstate driving driving between here and Memphis driving between Collierville and Memphis on on Bill Morris I've never seen a Challenger going less than a hundred miles an hour. Oh, they they fly. they all yeah it's it's crazy. So Dodge announced that they stopped uh, making them. Oh wow! This next year is their last year for the uh, Challenger and the Charger. Hmm. Oh gosh. Okay. Anything else that we haven't talked about that you want to share to the masses? I guess working a deal at a dealership, that's something we haven't really talked about. Uh, Most dealerships today are uh, pretty straightforward on how they do their deals. Um, That typical, you know, don't believe what the dealership's telling you has kind of gone away. At least where, where I work, definitely. If there was a way that I could do something for you, I would do it. I'm not saying when, when I say no, it's not because I want to say no. It's because I can't do it. Because mm. if I could do it, I would say yes. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, our goal is to make sure you're happy and A, that you're doing business with us. So mm. that's where it has changed quite a bit on that side where mm. that typical, you got to come in and haggle and do that. It's not like that. It's a very straightforward process. You know what's going on in the market. You know how it's going. As long as you feel like the dealership that you're working with is straightforward and honest with their approach of how they're selling their vehicle to you, I think they're doing a good job. If they're not doing that and you've got a $10,000 markup in it, I don't even know why you're sitting in that dealership right now. What do you think was the catalyst for that change? Because it is it, 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 it is a change. It's something that, that it didn't used to be that way. Do you think that the internet drove that? or The internet definitely had something to do with that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Because uh, the, the expanse of information always changes everything. And um, the internet is something that, I mean, you carry around a device in your pocket that has more computing power than a computer in the early 2000s. Yeah. So, I mean, if you showed this to somebody on Wall Street in 2002, they would freak out. <laughs> I mean, absolutely freak out. I mean, I don't even have to download an app there's an actual stock exchange that Apple does for you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
what, what would you look for? I mean, your PE ratios are there. Everything you want to look at is in that. And you didn't even download anything yet. So yeah. it's crazy the amount of information you can attain so simply nowadays. So it has. It's definitely mm. changed it. it. It changes the way people buy things. changes the way people spend their money. Mm. Um, and when I say that, I mean that differently on when you buy and spend. Because people spend money in a lot of different ways than when you actually actively go buy something. Because yeah. Amazon is a big testament to that. Spending money, people are more willing to go to Amazon and get it shipped to their front door than they are to go to Kroger. Very I mean, true. sometimes I'll... I don't like going to Kroger. I get on Amazon, just order it real quick. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and I think it's changed, too, because the stereotypical sleazy car salesman, yes. that's very rare now. It's more of a friendly person like, hey, I'm trying to find what's best for you. What well, are you looking when we for? hire, that's a that's a thing, too. Um um, you know, we call it the, the, you know, used car salesman type of mentality. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, get over here, buy a car, you know, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like that, that crusty, uh, type of sound. <laughs> uh, if you ever, if you need to look it up, there's uh, something called the honey badger. He's, he's uh, oh, yeah. an ad yeah. um, for a dealership up North. It's hilarious. If you want to watch it, it's very funny, but okay. that's what people try to stay away from. And when we hire people, we're definitely doing that. Um, so you're the, saying the big Jim thing here is there's no sleazy little like, Hey, Hey, come over here. I can't promise. <laughs> for the entire organization but at least at Subaru now <laughs> but it's been tough with hiring though um, uh, millennials and I'm sure that's in anything yeah. uh, I mean I am a millennial but I don't characteristically fit that mold yeah. um, you know my mom she was kind of very tough on me <laughs> but that's the hard part when you bring millennials in is that uh, they they talk the game but they don't perform the game that's the problem is um, it, it, when you bring somebody in they might know what they're doing they might have a degree they might might have everything that you're looking for in a candidate but when they actually come in to actively do the job they fall short just to be fair to you millennials uh, i mean i I, i'll throw y'all you're sitting in a room with three of them yeah i know (laughs) just to be fair to y'all you're actually the, the the job market now is filled with gen z uh there there are a lot of gen z's that are out of college now and looking for jobs and i think gen z a lot has given millennials a bad name because everybody just thinks the oh, same. it's the millennials, but yep. <laughs> there, there's a new generation that is. Uh, that, that well, see, Gen Z would never walk in and try to work where I work. <laughs> so I am speaking specifically about millennials. Um, millennials, I'm talking about that uh, 25 to 35 range. Mm. Um, that that's a that's what I'm talking about. Gen Z, I mm, that's a <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. They want to be on TikTok and do their their thing on that. So. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's tough trying to find people because mm-hmm. you get a 28 year old in that you would think would be, uh, more grown up, whatever that may mean. Mm-hmm. And they're not, um, they, they come in and talk really good and then they start to work and you go, what did we do? <laughs> you know, it's, it's tough because, uh, the car industry is a, is it's a very hard business to grasp because there's a lot of moving parts. There's uh, there's the sales side, there's the management side, there's the financial side, and uh, then you have service, um, which is the relationship side of continuing that service, which mm-hmm. is cumulatively, it's, it's a lot to do because um, like for me, not only do I need to know my banks, but I need to know how to talk to people. Yeah. I need to know how to treat people. I need to know how to resolve situations, you know, things like that, that a typical manager would do. But it's not something that's what I feel like is trained as much as it should be at a college level. And yeah. now we're getting on something completely different. But No, but it's, it's something <laughs> we harp a lot about. And it's, it's, again, it's the relationship. It's the, as you said, you have done many different roles within your company, but it helps you that at any given moment, yes, you're the finance guy, but if you need to go sell a car to somebody, if you need to go deal with the service issue, you've, you've got the skill sets. And I think that's the hard lesson that a lot of people don't know is you may have a role, but you need to be willing to do whatever it takes Correct. for the people. Yeah, there, there's not a, a role. I think that's where a lot of millennials fall into as well, is that here's what you told me my job is, and I don't go outside that parameter. That's mm. not what, I'm not where I'm at because I stayed within my parameter. Um, I definitely made people upset because I got outside of my parameter. But in doing that, it made me gain knowledge and then prove my worth to the people that were making decisions for promotions, things like that. Because if you do your bare minimum, you're only going to get the bare minimum. And it's hard to teach that to somebody that's grown because if they've been treated that way 
28 years of their life and not to push blame on the parents of that, you know, he or she child. (laughs) It's one of those things that my parents never raised me that way. If you want something, you have to go earn it. You have to go work and do the job to get what you want. Mm -hmm. No matter if it's something like a McLaren or if it's a Civic that you want to go buy, you (laughs) either way have to work for it. And that's where it's been a loss for us because um, our uh, sales force is aging. It's uh, getting older and getting more difficult to uh, find people that want to get in it. Commission sales is a terrifying thing to hear. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yes. Um, and uh, the Karises do really well with it, but it is. I mean, you bring a 25-year-old and you say, well, yeah, I mean, you don't really get a paycheck. You get commission. And they go, oh, my God, what does that mean? Yeah. It's tough. And especially it in is. this market, it's terrifying because they know that people are going to slow down on buying mm-hmm. cars because of interest rates. but. That's where on the financial side, that's where you have that emergency fund. You you know have a commission job. Yep. You got six months worth of living expenses. Well, look at you up. bringing it back around. There you go. <laughs> that's what we, do. we we brought a guy in from AT and T. My wife works at AT and T. We brought a guy in from the Carnival store uh, three months ago, and he was you know he wanted to try it, wanted to do different. It's a little different. He actually wanted to do it, but he was terrified because mm-hmm. of that. Um, his first month actually selling, he made four times what he made at AT and T. Wow. So I mean. So- That's the type of thing. He's not terrified anymore. That's Mm -hmm. what we tell people. But that's the hard part. Like we can't find people that want to come actively do the job because it's a terrifying experience to learn how do I get paid? What Mm -hmm. does that look like? Um, It's very similar to like what this is. I mean, you know, when you do an advisement on wealth management, if you advise uh, incorrectly, you know, yeah. it's not your dividends aren't going to look as good yeah. as they would have if you advised a different way. So, uh, you know, it's the same same type of premise on that side. Okay, well, this has been so Great. much fun. Thank you so much for being on the show with us. And uh, of course, maybe one day you can go over and see him and uh, get your Subaru. Uh, I'm sure he will help you out. I mean, Cam and I are over here driving like. 10-year-old, 11-year-old cars, you know, 12-year-old cars. <laughs> who knows when I'll be able to actually buy my own car, but uh, certainly Subaru will be on my list whenever I do. Perfect. That and Mercedes. I'm going to get that Mercedes. <laughs> That's what there. my wife wants. Yeah. She wants a G-Wagon. I said no. <laughs> <laughs> Not happening. <laughs> well, thanks for coming by, Caleb. <laughs> no problem, guys. I appreciate it. I really enjoyed talking to him and getting some insight on the car industry. He was a fantastic guest. Yeah. I'm so I found myself sitting and just listening a lot and not talking, which I mean, you know, probably people are fine with. So, <laughs> okay. Well, no bullseye. We're um, not going to bullseye this. There's What's again the some great nuggets that were in this episode. So yeah. hopefully, it was good information for you. So all we're doing is basically sitting around waiting for the. Oh, there it is. It's the closing bell. Ladies and gentlemen, you've made it to the end of yet another episode of the Bullcast Podcast. If you liked what you heard and you'd like to hear more, please feel free to go to your favorite subscription service and sign up to have our podcast beamed directly to your favorite listening device every single Thursday at noon. If you'd like to find out more about Cameron, Katie, and Court, please feel free to go to our website. That is bullcastpodcast.com. You can leave a comment, suggest a topic, suggest a guest, or even, hey, apply to be a guest yourself if you want to. We'll try and get back to you if you touch base with us. If you like pictures, we're going to have some pictures of us with our guest today on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is at Bullcast Podcast. And we also have a Twitter handle that's at Bullcast Podcast as well. Finally, ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't know, Katie, Cameron, and I all work for a place called Pickler Wealth Advisors. We do. If you'd like to find out more about where we work, what we do, find out about our amazing team and our boss, David Pickler, go to our website, picklerwealthadvisors.com. That is advisors with an O. Not an E. Not an E. Ladies and gentlemen, we have given you everything you need to go forth and be merry. So for now, I'm Court. I'm Katie. I'm Cam. And we done. <laughs>